0: You're listening to The Political Scene. I'm Tyler Foggett, and I'm a senior editor at The New Yorker. Many Americans have been fascinated by the story of Hunter Biden, the president's second son. There's the political element of the story, involving allegations that Hunter leveraged his father's prominence for his own financial gain. And then there's the personal element, which is focused on Hunter's spiral into alcoholism and drug addiction. Recently, the first story came to something of a conclusion, Federal prosecutors announced a deal in which Hunter would plead guilty to two tax charges and be sentenced to two years of probation, bringing a five-year-long investigation into his business dealings to an end. But the second story is still being unraveled. Hunter is now sober, but his personal struggles and even his questionable business decisions mirror those of other members of the Biden family. Joe Biden has talked about his background on the stump, but the full story is much more complicated. And until recently, even the president and his children may not have known the full extent of it. A while back, The New Yorker published a groundbreaking investigation titled The Untold History of the Biden Family. Its author, Adam Entis, uncovered the rags to riches to rags story of how the Bidens landed in Scranton with the president's father struggling to find work. It's a very different tale from the one Joe Biden has shared with the public, complete with polo matches, war profiteering, addiction, and scandal. It provides a crucial context for the Hunter Biden saga and offers a deeper understanding of Joe Biden himself, detailing the people and the events that have shaped the choices he's made during his decades-long political career. Hi, Adam.
1: Hey, it's great to be here.
0: Yeah, thank you for coming on. So before we get into your, your findings, I'm wondering if you could sort of talk us through the story that Biden has traditionally told about his family.
1: Well, it starts with Richard Ben Kramer's book, which comes out in 1992, What It Takes, uh, a section of which is devoted to Biden. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in there, Kramer tells the story of Joe Biden's father for the first time. Uh, basically, he's born in Baltimore. Uh, he's very close to these relatives, the Sheens. The Sheens are wealthy. And then during World War II, uh, they become uh, war contractors uh, and they become very rich Uh, And uh, the war ends. And without really any explanation, uh, the money's gone. uh, And Biden, uh, you know, Biden senior moves his family back to Scranton and they're penniless. And that's the beginning of the story that we all know about Joe Biden kind of growing up without much money in uh, in Scranton and then Wilmington.
0: And what else has been written about Biden? I mean, Biden himself has written memoirs and, and that kind of thing, right?
1: Right. So, yeah, so it starts with Richard Ben Kramer's book. Uh, and then Biden, when he's running for president against Obama, and he obviously lo- he loses to Obama in the primaries, um, he comes out with a book to introduce himself again to voters, uh, promises to keep which comes out in 2007, 2008. And he repeats almost verbatim the stories that appeared in Kramer's book. That shouldn't be any surprise because Biden spoke to Kramer at length. They had actually the same uh, researcher. Uh, The researcher that worked on Kramer's book, the fact checker on that book, ends up being hired by Joe Biden when he writes his book. And so the stories are basically the same. Um, And aside from that, nothing has been written. Every book that's come out since, every article that's come out since basically repeats that same story over and over
0: again. So what tipped you off to the possibility that there might be more to this story? I mean, I I feel like it's a really interesting situation that you were in as a reporter because you have Joe Biden, who has been in the public eye for so long. And as you say, there have been all of these books and pieces of reporting that sort of repeat the same thing. How did you know that there was more there? And where did you even figure out how to start?
1: Yeah, honestly I didn't know that there was more there when when I began. What happened was is in 2019 is there was a a lot of attention to Hunter Biden uh, in the press. Uh, I was assigned by my editor to look into his business activities, particularly in Ukraine. Uh, you know, my strategy with these interviews is I don't go right for the main topic that I'm interested in uh, going for. I tried it like, where were you born? You know, tell me about your grandfather. Tell me about your father. You know, they don't lo- see through that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, and he would tell me these kind of stories about his grandfather, and he would describe him as sort of a James Bond character, kind of this mystery man. He really enjoyed talking about those things because that was the thing that he probably had the most fond memories of as opposed to the difficult things that he was going through with his addictions. You know, I couldn't use everything in the piece, but I I, I made sort of a mental note about his grandfather and the story that we use at the very beginning of this about how he, him and his brother on Sundays would go with their father to look at mansions, even if they were not open, they would literally kind of break into these uh, mansions in order to kind of poke around themselves. And stories like that just struck me as yeah. just really weird and interesting. Like... Why would working class Joe be so obsessed with things that undermine his image as working class Joe? You know, which would be these mansions, and you know, wh- why did his father have this secret uh, compartment where he kept these uh, mementos from his days of polo playing and things like that in his closet? Why wasn't he more open about it? So there is this element of shame uh, that came across. And I knew from covering Biden when he was vice president and from when he was a senator, this sort of issue with class with him. He's got a bit of an inferiority complex. You know, contacts of mine and friends who have worked with him over the years who went to places like Yale, you know, or Harvard. He would always make these snide remarks in meetings because he went to University of Delaware and he went to uh, Syracuse Law School, which are not like top tier Universities, he always likes to make these snide remarks in meetings about people who went to uh, sort of Ivy League schools, the elite schools. He's got this thing about the elites and the wealthy.
0: But that thing is also part of why voters like him so much, right? I mean, it's a big part of how he relates to to the middle class and to the working class people who, you know, oftentimes have been the biggest part of his base.
1: Right. No, and, and I just was sort of perplexed by this notion that his own father was elite. Right. And yet he is anti elite. And obviously, what you find is that this is a rift in the family between the two sides. His mother's side, Gene Finnegan's side, they're Irish, very proud Irish. They look down on the English, they uh, look down on the elites. And uh, Joe Biden's dad comes from a side that was exactly what the Finnegan side didn't like, which is, uh, you know, elites, English, you know, very prideful of that. And so you had kind of this rift in the family that sort of intrigued me, and I saw Joe Biden as sort of, uh, you know, kind of stuck between these two branches, uh, you know, trying to figure out who he actually was, and um, and he got a little bit of each. That was sort of intriguing to me, and and I also, from talking to Hunter, was just sort of curious about his experiences and his challenges, and the idea that. He is not an outlier, that history is just repeating itself over and over again. Those same challenges about alcohol, those same conflicts about class and wealth are the same things that cause Hunter and his brother Bo issues when they're growing up. So Hunter piqued my interest and helped make introductions for me. You know, I talked to other relatives in the family, such as Valerie and Jimmy Biden, the president's uh, younger siblings. And basically what I learn is that they don't know anything, frankly, about, about him. Kind of shockingly, nothing. Which again, just makes me think, oh God, there's gotta be something potentially juicy there uh, to explain why he was so circumspect with his, with his own children. You know, this is the kind of thing you'd think that um, they would be interested in getting for just the history books, right? So anyways, bottom line is is uh, I realized that I wasn't getting anywhere with the Bidens because as far as I could tell, they didn't know anything. I-, I couldn't get access to Joe Biden himself. So I set out to find the Sheens, which are referenced in both Kramer's book and in Biden's book and in every other book since. And the Sheens, uh, the way they spell it is S-H-E-E-N, like Charlie Sheen.
0: When you say they, do you mean Biden and Kramer? Yeah, and their, exactly. Their yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And so I go on Nexus Lexus, I type in Sheen and William and Bill and different varieties of that of the combination and I'm seeing Bill Sheens all over the country. None of which, you know, seem to be the ones that that I need. And I kind of reached a dead end with it and, and was pretty close to giving up. But I decided, you know, I would get in the car and drive up to Baltimore where there's the gravesite where Joe Biden's grandfather and grandmother are buried. And literally next to Joe Biden's grandfather's gravestone was a small marker which spelled Sheen with an E at the end. Mm. So then I do my Nexus Lexus search again with the new spelling and then suddenly I'm seeing you know, the family in Wilmington, Delaware. And it was that breakthrough uh, of getting the phone number for Bill Sheen III that really allowed me to open the story up. He was able to tell me things that allowed me to go to the archives and try to figure out, you know, what actually did happen to the businesses.
0: And could you talk a little bit more about, I guess, why the Sheens are so important to this story? I mean, what is their relation to... The Biden family in terms of, you know, are they cousins and then also their business partners as well. Right. So sort of why are they why are they so key?
1: So what happens is is there are two sisters. There's Alice and Mary Robinette. The last name, Joseph Robinette Biden, is basically his maternal grand grandfather, grandmother. Right. Mm -hmm. And so the Robinettes were this family that came from England. They basically were colonists. And this was that family's sort of claim to fame was that they were early settlers in the United States. And, you know, by the time you get to Baltimore at the turn of the century, they're a very prominent family in Baltimore. And uh, there are two uh, daughters, uh, Mary and Alice. Alice meets Bill Sheen Sr. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they get married. And then later, her baby sister, Mary which is the president's maternal grandmother, she meets Joseph Harry Biden, and they get married. So it's through this marriage between the Robinette sisters, one of them with the Sheens, and the other one with the Bidens, that brings these three families together. And within this family, there is also a class issue. The Robinettes are a high class family, or at least they think they are right? Um, the Sheens trace their roots back to like allegedly an English castle, which I could never find. They had their own uh, family crest, the Sheens did. And so they also had this idea that they were aristocrats. Um, the Bidens really not, you know, they were sort of the, the bottom of the barrel family in some ways. Um, they had terrible alcoholism problems. They had a very messy uh, and public divorce Uh, that Joseph Harry's father and mother went through. And so. Uh, Joseph Harry Biden, when he marries Mary Robinette, he's marrying into a much more stable family with resources.
0: So the president's grandfather married into a higher class.
1: Yeah, higher, you know, with a more established reputation, with political influence in Baltimore and with money. They they had a beautiful home in a, an important part of the city, uh, whereas the Bidens were always kind of renting, kind of run down places on the other side of the tracks. Mm-hmm. And so Alice and her husband, Bill Sheen Sr., they have a son, which they named Bill Sheen Jr., and Joseph Harry Biden and Mary Robinette, they have a son, Joseph Robinette Biden Sr., who's the president's father. I, I like to think that the journey kind of begins with the birth of the two cousins who are inseparable, and basically their fathers have their different kind of paths. Uh, one of them, Joseph Harry Biden, ends up working at Amoco, You know, which is an oil company, and he's very close to the owner, and he's like one of the first employees. And so he's like a company man. Um, Maybe because his father's an alcoholic and he didn't have a lot of stability growing up, he really liked the stability that he got from working at this company. Whereas Bill Sheen Sr., he's an entrepreneur. He's a scrambler. He's always trying to make a buck. He's always trying to get rich. And so that's sort of the divide in the family. And you have Joseph Robinette Biden Sr., and his cousin, Bill Sheen Jr., growing up with this dynamic in the family. And as his own father struggles at Amoco, he is drawn closer and closer in with the Sheens, who become very wealthy in the 1920s. That is sort of when really the two trajectories of the family diverge. The Bidens are struggling, but the Sheens are really rolling in money and they're living large, and uh, he gets kind of sucked into their universe.
0: I see. So the president's father sort of watches his own father work this pretty thankless job, not making that much money. He goes into business with his rich uncle and cousin, and that's when they start getting into trouble. Right. So could you um, talk a little bit about the issues with the, the Sheen's businesses and um, how Joe Biden's father was involved with that?
1: Right. So the Bidens were sort of, uh, you know, happy with kind of a, a less wealth But, you know, we're looking for stability and the sheens were looking kind of boom bust, trying to make a lot of money. Um, The common denominator was alcoholism. On the Biden side, it's only whispered about. Joseph, Harry Biden's dad, George T. Biden, you know, the president's great grandfather uh, on his paternal side. He is an alcoholic. That's clear from documents that I was able to find. But really on the Biden side with Joseph Harry Biden, it you don't see a lot of evidence of alcoholism in the documents I was able to find. You can see economic distress, and you can see that he's demoted at Amico, and you can see he's becoming increasingly embittered about his treatment there. Uh, on the Sheen side, every couple years, there'd be a headline in the paper about another drunken brawl in which Bill Sheen Sr. was arrested. And uh, the lawsuits are piling up. It's you know, there's a lot of material about uh, that I was able to find in the archives about Bill Sheen Sr. I would say that he's he was not an honest person. Um, he, he he was you know maybe that's because of the alcoholism. I I don't know. Um, but uh, you know he he strikes me as not particularly honest. And so just as we're getting to the point of World War II starting, steel uh, is becoming something that's not readily available. It's being restricted. So he begins to diversify and to look at another way to keep the money coming. And so the British Admiralty had invented a substitute for steel to help protect the crews of merchant marine ships from enemy aircraft fire. And it's a substance they call plastic armor. Uh, It's a bit of a misnomer. It's really an asphalt-like substance that when it's heated, it's pliable, hence the word plastic. I was going to say
0: plastic armor doesn't sound very reassuring. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. And so basically, he realizes that this is where he could uh, make money. And so he goes into that business. And uh, Joe Biden Sr. goes to work for his uncle,
0: uh, his rich uncle. So this is when he chooses the uh, the sheen path, I guess is yeah. how you would uh, yeah, put it, the, yeah, the path yeah, yeah. of wealth and maybe <laughs> dishonesty.
1: Yeah, he's, he's choosing the path to make money. And uh, whether it's honest or not, you know, that's open for debate. Uh, Certainly, I think later on, it's pretty clear how dishonest it becomes. You know, I I think that there are periods when they're trying to do the right thing and to bring things under control. And I think a lot of their conduct later reflects when they're drinking. So, you know, basically, they're struggling with addiction uh, and they're heading into business together and there's a ton of money to be made during World War Two. And that's the mix uh, that Joe Biden's father gets pulled into.
0: And so Joe Biden's father ultimately um, ends up being the the second highest paid employee at this plastic armor outfit. I'm wondering if you could talk about sort of what happens to the plastic armor business. I mean, eventually the government comes after them, but what were they doing wrong and how was Joe Biden's father implicated, if at all, in the corruption of the business?
1: Yeah. So they're, you know, making a, a ton of money in 1942, which is the first year that they're in business. But as they're getting into 1943, they put plastic armor on a, a number of ships. And they're realizing that in order to keep the money coming, they're going to have to diversify. So they decide that they're going to become a welding and repair company as well. And they open a division up in Boston. And uh, Joe Biden, senior, uh, the president's father, uh, is sent up to basically run the new division. Now, Joe Biden Sr. was not a partner in the business. He was the number one employee. He was their representative with labor. In other cases, he was their representative in court cases. So he clearly was somebody that the Sheens relied upon and trusted. He was a member of the family. He's the godson of the owner of the company. He's the best friend and best man to Bill Sheen Jr., his cousin, also a partner in the company. And so he was as close to a partner as you can get without being a partner. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, you know, the government begins to come after the Sheens and basically find that the company was paying wages that were significantly higher than what was allowed and that this was creating uh, instability in this industry, the shipbuilding industry. And they basically demand repayment of some of this money that they had been paying over what was allowed. And the Sheen's basically cut a deal to avoid having to pay that large amount. Uh, and it sort of lays the ground for the second investigation, which is more um, existential, if you will, for, uh, for their finances.
0: And that was the, um, the investigation into excessive profits, right? So right. the company was taking too high a profit margin on its war contracts. S-
1: so in addition to there being rules capping wages that the company was in breach of, Just like really when they're settling that case, um, the the U.S. Maritime Commission, which has several of the contracts for the plastic armor with this company, they're looking at many of their contractors. You know, the established rate is 8% profits on these war contracts. And what they found was that in some cases, this company, they were charging the government and pocketing a 50% profit, not 8%. So what happened was, and this takes about two years, they basically say to them, you have to pay two-thirds of your profits back. We're talking about the equivalent of many millions of dollars. Meanwhile, they, they have been spending like crazy with mansions and estates and limousines and chauffeurs and private airplanes, yachts, you name it. They didn't exactly have you know all that money sitting in the bank for them to pay back the government when the government came after the money. And so this leads to basically the beginning of the end uh, where the government is pursuing them to get those ill-gotten gains back. And they're basically kind of living the last moments of their great Gatsby lives uh, before reality sets in.
0: Yeah, and obviously none of this is in Joe Biden's book, you know, the stuff about the excessive profits and the, yeah, the issues with the, the war contracting businesses. And it sounds like from what you said earlier that Joe Biden's siblings had basically no idea that their father was involved in all of this.
1: Yeah, I I would tell Jimmy or Hunter what I had found, and, like, Jimmy would go, oh, shit, you know? (laughs) I mean, at least as far as I could tell, they had no idea. Now, I didn't speak to Joe Biden, the president. Maybe he knows some of this stuff. I I don't know. Uh, I suspect that, basically, this was the family secret, that the business was... um, you know, not kosher. And, you know, the reason why uh, Joe Biden grows up without money in Scranton and in later in Wilmington is basically because Joe Biden Sr.'s mistake was attaching himself to these relatives who were alcoholics and were, you know, not trustworthy and who got into trouble. And, you know, he married Gene Finnegan, who I would call almost a moralist, Uh, And their family were, you know, borderline priests almost, you know, with their very ethical uh, family uh, that believes in service and sacrifice and, you know, the Catholic uh, teachings. And so you basically had an incredibly upright family uh, that prized things like education and doing the right thing. And then you had this other side of the family that really was just trying to get ahead, make money, be rich, drink themselves silly, and live like kings. And so you had this real clash between these two sides of the family. And I'm positive that this is the reason why Joe Biden's dad is given such a hard time by his in-laws. And I think Joe Biden Sr., this is why he doesn't tell anybody about this. This is why he hides the fact that he used to have these glory days, right, in, in his closet. It's because He's internalized this kind of shame about, uh, you know, what he was wrapped up in. Not to say that he's like as to blame as the Sheens, but he certainly was complicit uh, and went along with something that uh, the government at least deemed to be, you know, they literally call it illegal activity. Mm -hmm. And so um, this is the rift where Gene Biden basically decides, you know, I want to, isolate my family and protect my family from the Sheens, and particularly the Sheen men, who she saw as a terrible influence, both because of the alcoholism, and I believe also because of the philandering and the cheating, as well as their kind of notorious reputations in business.
0: We'll have more with Adam Entis on the political scene from The New Yorker in just a moment. When you describe Joe Biden's mother's side of the family, the Finnegans, I mean, Irish Catholic, from Scranton, humble upbringing. I mean, all of those things, those are like the exact qualities that I think of when I think of Joe Biden, or at least when I think of his political persona. And that's no coincidence. You know, you sort of establish that there were these two paths. There was the the Finnegan way, which was, you know, noble. They were almost like priests, very public service oriented. And then there was the the Biden way. It, was there a moment at which Joe Biden seemed to, you know, pick one instead of the other one? Or what What do you think happened there?
1: What I know is that at one point, and I, I believe Richard Ben Kramer has this right, that uh, the two wives, Jean and Marie Sheen, Marie Sheen is married to Bill Sheen Jr. The two wives basically say, screw this. We can't put up with this anymore. What's going on with their husbands? Right. And so Marie leaves Long Island, leaves Old Westbury and goes back to Baltimore and takes her two children with her. Jean and Marie were best friends. And so she also leaves, according to Kramer, and goes to Scranton, presumably with the two kids. At that point, it's Joe Biden Jr., the future president, and Valerie, his younger sister. Now, I don't know exactly what the last straw is. It may be this one incident that takes place in early uh, 1948. Bill Sheen Jr. Uh, is, is in a nearby commercial area, and he sets off a false fire alarm. This is written up in the newspaper. It's quite a uh, embarrassing uh, write-up. Bill Sheen Jr. is sort of mocked for basically being a rich, irresponsible drunk. Bill Sheen III, the son of Bill Sheen Jr. told me that Joe Biden Sr. was with his father uh, when they did that prank. And I think it just was embarrassing. Uh Jean uh, and the Finnegans took pride in sort of being these upstanding citizens. And the Sheens, particularly when they were drunk, were the opposite. You know, they were jackasses, basically. And so I, I think she just was humiliated. And she wanted to protect her two kids, and she was about to have a third and later a fourth. She just didn't want them to grow up that way. I mean, this is a, an opinion that's shared by both the Sheens and the Bidens, that at one point she basically gives an ultimatum to her husband and basically says, you have a choice to make. You can either be with your family or you can be with the Sheens. You have to make a choice. And I don't know uh, you know, if he would have made the same choice he made if the Sheens weren't broke, but the Sheens at this point were broke, and so he goes with his family. It's not like the Sheens had much to offer him at that stage. I don't want to give him more credit than he deserves. But you know, he decides to go back and join his family in Scranton, Uh, where Gene's family is. And he lives kind of in this very uncomfortable, cramped house where he is treated like an outcast on the Finnegan side because they know he was a war profiteer, because they read the stories in the newspaper, right? And they heard the stories from Gene. So I I think it was tough for him. uh, And he's taking these very modest, uh, you know, jobs, uh, you know, fixing boilers and working, selling knickknacks at a fair, stuff like that. And there's this really um, telling story, I think, where Jean happens to go to this fair and sees her husband wearing one of his, you know, uh, perfect suits and selling knickknacks and other little things. And she says something to the effect of like, I've never been so proud of you. And it's always been like a story that Joe Biden tells that really doesn't make any sense until you understand what I think she's referring to, which is, We're not rich, but at least we're honest.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you put all the stories about um, Joe Biden's family together, you know, the, the story that you just told, I mean, your piece is really interesting because you have, you know, these details about the family's history of alcoholism and then these anecdotes about Biden's father playing polo and, you know, doing all these incredibly bougie things, which almost feel like tropes of an American old money family. But then at the same time, the broader narrative arc of your story is one of a family that, is, you know, rising and flush with cash and spending money on, you know, a beautiful house and then suddenly loses all their money and is trying to kind of recreate the situation that they had before. You talk in your story about how Joe Biden himself, by the time he was, I think, twenty-eight, he had borrowed money from his father-in-law, he owned a mansion, but at the same time, he couldn't really afford to have that mansion. He was he had overextended himself in order to buy it. And so you know, I'm wondering where you sort of landed at the end of your reporting. When it comes to this idea of middle class Joe, I mean, is that wrong? Is he not middle class Joe or is he middle class Joe? Because even though his family did have money at this, you know, at a certain point, he grew up not really getting to enjoy the benefits of having money. And then also, you know, when he was in a young man and had children and whatnot, seemed to be falling into the same patterns of sort of being like a middle class driver who wanted to have more money than he actually did.
1: Yeah, I mean, I see him as sort of conflicted. So, you know, he's growing up. He knows what his father considers to be success. Those are these big houses, right? And they could tell that he was ashamed of the middle-class lifestyle that he was able to give them in Wilmington. And so I think, you know, growing up, Joe Biden uh, Jr., the president, uh, thinks that in order to really be a success, you have to have those grand things. And he had this, you know, notion later on of dynasty he's attracted to this idea of dynasty the kennedy dynasty was an inspiration to him in terms of his politics and he sort of had this idea of dynasty for his own family that's where Bo came in like beau was going to be his successor you know they were always compared to sort of the kennedys of delaware but without the money and even uh, we talk a little bit about in the story about this Bible that Joe Biden uses it at his all of his swearing-in ceremonies starting in 1972. It's, it looks almost exactly like the Kennedy Bible. So it's uh, a symbol of aristocracy. So at the same time, he wants to be middle-class Joe. And he, frankly, he is middle-class Joe in a lot of ways. He uh, seems to be sort of uh, drawn to things that, are trappings of wealth. And it's sort of almost ingrained in him. And frankly, it's not just him. It's also his brother. It's also his kids, right? Bo and Hunter. And so they, for some reason, they idealize that uh, and they crave it.
0: I see. So it's not like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too by saying that they're middle class, but then secretly owning a mansion. It's that they Feel like they're middle class. They probably are middle class based on the amount of money that they have. But at the same time, they can't help but lust after these status symbols and objects that would seemingly be representative of, you know, a higher class.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's the reality is, is Joe Biden, especially since he's a, uh, a senator, is surrounded by wealth. Uh, Hunter, the son of a senator, is surrounded by wealthier families they are constantly surrounded by moneyed families. There's this sense of almost inadequacy that they feel now they have this heritage, you know, of Joe Biden senior at one point being one of those families, right or at least aspiring to be one of those families, but he couldn't deliver. He couldn't deliver it because the Sheens, you know, were corrupt family or whatever and and basically that dream was wiped out. And so they're surrounded by all this wealth, they both want to be the Finnegan's, but they also want to be the Biden's and they want to be like a wealthy family. And this is a conflict within the family. And I would say an unresolved one, you know, one that actually contributes, I think, to Hunter's addiction issues. Later, the stress of trying to keep up with the Joneses is the main reason why he ends up uh, having relapses is because He's constantly trying to provide that wealthy lifestyle to his family, which requires him to take jobs that you know are very uh, risky, potentially risky, but also puts him under a lot of personal stress. And so, keeping up with the Joneses is a big part of the dynamic here. You you had this dynamic, for example, when Obama was president. Joe Biden was sort of ridiculed in The Onion, uh, the, you know, the satirical newspaper, uh, you know, wearing a wife beater t-shirt and, you know, cleaning his uh, Corvette on the driveway of the White House. The idea is, is that Joe Biden is not elite, you know, and he both takes pride in that, but is also offended. Right. I remember being told of a conversation once where uh, it was Obama was a senator and Joe Biden was a senator and uh, they're having a meeting in uh, Biden's office. And uh, Biden invites him to go have dinner with him at this Italian place in DC that was very cheap, but very good. And so he invited Obama to come to this restaurant. And Biden says, you know, um, I, I can pay the bill. And Obama says, listen, I, you know, I'm a lawyer. I mean, I can, I can pay the bill. And like Obama was offended by what uh, Biden had said. And Biden was offended with what Obama said there. So there's a there's a class insecurity on the Biden side that I think is actually rooted in this conflict between the Finnegan's and the Biden's that goes back to that marriage in 1941, basically. And, uh, and it's something that hasn't really been fully uh, addressed in the family. And it plays out in each of the generations over and over again.
0: So it sounds like President Biden prioritizes the Finnegan's, and not only has that been a big part of his persona, but it's also affected his policy, um, just in the sense that he he seems to really focus on the middle class. What do you think his takeaways would be if he wasn't just focusing on the Finnegan's, but also sort of contended with the the Biden side as well?
1: Honestly, like if you look at the way Joe Biden has lived his life, he has lived, at least as far as I can tell, like the Finnegan ideals— that he sort of prizes. So, you know, obviously what his father did uh, does not reflect on him. The way I see the choices that he made, such as not drinking, such as deciding to go into a career of service, you know, being a politician, um, if you want to call that service, um, basically uh, living on a salary that was not a high salary, right? Um, You know, you can respect Joe Biden's uh, discipline for sure. You know, having... Uh, having a father who was involved in something that was untoward is not something that, you know, any politician wants to have as part of their history. You know, I, I don't know how it would have affected things if the information was out there. Obviously, the key, at least from my perspective, is, you know, he has run for president three times, right? He's run for a senator, I don't know, eight times or whatever. He has been a candidate so many times. He's had m- many opportunities to tell his story, And over the years, you know, journalists should have checked his story. And repeatedly, over all this time, he's basically not been subjected to this sort of scrutiny that um, you'd think somebody in his position would have been subjected to. Now, why certain things in his biography, in his memoir, why they are the way they are, I don't really know. Like, why does he misspell the Sheen name? If he had spelled it correctly, in Richard Ben Kramer's book, Maybe reporters would have figured this out a long time ago. I, I don't know. I think we sort of took for granted that the story he told was correct and complete. And, you know, that was a mistake because it wasn't. Um, and if earlier on this story had come out, maybe it would have had political implications in his various campaigns for public office.
0: Thank you so much, Adam. No, it' was a pleasure. Adam Entis is a reporter who covers intelligence, national security, and foreign affairs. Thanks for listening to The Political Scene from The New Yorker. The show is produced by Michelle Moses with editing assistance from Catherine Winter. Our executive producer is Stephen Valentino. Allison Leighton Brown composed our theme music. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next Wednesday.